0: Hello, and welcome to Vet Club, Vet Books edition. We are on Vet Books number 11, which means it's chapter 10. Yeah, Um, I'm kind of excited about this chapter because... It's a topic that I kind of nerd out about. Um, So chapter 10 is entitled Hyperthermia and Fever. And this one is written by James Miller. It's a
1: weird thing to be excited about. I know, I know. I love fevers.
0: It's not that I love fever. I like the physiology behind it. And it's one of those things that I think people... You you can keep singing, sorry. No, it's okay. I can wait. (laughs) But I think fever, like temperature in general, is one of those things that people (laughs) sort of gloss over. And are like oh blah blah blah, but if you think about the physiology, like you can actually get a, a lot of really good information. Um, just by thinking about what's going on and looking at the patient's behavior and, and understanding it. So it, I nerd out about it because I think it's one of those things that people are just like, blah, 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 the temperature's high, that's terrible, or the temperature's low, that's terrible. But they don't think about why, and the why is what I find interesting. But what I was saying is this one is this chapter is written by James Miller, not somebody I know, um, and looking at his credentials behind his name in the chapter, he's not a criticalist, he's an, an internal medicine specialist. Um, I, I'm just stating that for the record. There's, there's nothing, <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Um, so, a specialist in internal medicine. Um, but maybe, maybe James Miller also nerds out about this kind of stuff because I do like this chapter. Probably since um, they
1: asked him to write the chapter, right?
0: So, um, but there's some good stuff, uh, and I, and I like a lot of the things in this chapter. That um, the the most important thing I think is just some definitions, like hyperthermia. What does that sound like? It means
1: hyperthermia is when you get too hot
0: Yeah, it's just a high temperature like your temperature is above the normal range that's all that means so if you measure a temperature in a patient and it's higher than what the stated reference range for that species is they have hyperthermia that's different from a fever do you know what a fever is
1: A fever is when (laughs) your immune system's causing your temperature to go up?
0: Yeah, good job. You've heard me rant about this stuff sometimes. No, I
1: don't think I've heard you rant about this one. Oh,
0: okay. That was just a guess. Yeah, so when people say, oh, so-and-so has a fever, they usually think, oh, they have an elevated temperature. And that is typically true. Like, that is part of the definition of a fever. So all patients with a fever have hyperthermia, but not all patients with hyperthermia have a fever, So you can be overheated by getting locked in a hot car. You can be overheated with exercise. Exactly. You can be overheated with exercise and things like that. Um, So the way I like to talk about this is as just thinking about like what's your normal temperature. So we actually went for our annual like physical wellness exam today, and our temperature was taken. Do you remember what your temperature was? No. Oh, I was paying attention. Yours was ninety-eight point two. Mine was ninety-seven point nine
1: and because of your cold cold heart
0: (laughs) yes it's mostly that but i actually felt comfortable in the exam room when they were taking our temperature i don't know did you feel hot or cold or you felt okay
1: Uh, i didn't pay attention
0: you weren't paying attention how about how do you feel right now a little cold i know it's a little chilly so probably both of our temperatures are lower than our brains would like them to be um and and I think that's the other thing that people forget is the experience of hot or cold is a relative um, sensation. And so a lot of times I'll ask students like, Think back to the last time you had a fever, or the last time you had the flu or something like that. And most of the time, if you imagine in your head how you feel when you have a fever, you remember feeling cold. And if you picture the average person that is sick at home with the flu, you picture them curled up on the couch, wrapped in blankets, kind of like we are now, um, you know, drinking hot beverages or eating, you know, soup and warmth because you're, you're cold, you feel cold, which when you stop and think about it is sort of counterintuitive. If you have an elevated temperature, why would you feel Cold. Um, That's very different than when you have an elevated temperature because you are, you know, locked, your air conditioner goes out in the middle of summer, or if you're locked in a hot car, or when you're exercising and it's warm out, you know, like if you go outside um, in the northern hemisphere in, you know, July and you go for a run. Your temperature is going to increase, and you're going to feel warm. And your body is physiologically going to respond to that by sweating, by vasodilating. You're going to become flushed. You're going, and you're going to experience the feeling of man, this feels warm. And so, behaviorally, you're going to do things like I should try to cool off. I will drink some cold water. I will find some shade. I will take a layer off if I'm wearing too many layers of clothing. Um, but if you have an elevated temperature from a fever, you feel cold, and so you're actually trying to warm yourself up. And, um, and I think that's a, it's a really important thing for people to remember um, because you behave differently. Like a fever serves a different purpose than the feeling of warmth when you're overheating. The reason you experience that discomfort of being overly warm is because you're, you're supposed to be like, oh. I should cool off. This is uncomfortable. And because if I get too hot, it's dangerous. And so I should behave differently. So not only is your body physiologically trying to cool off, trying to, you know, uh, dissipate more heat, you experience heat so that your behavior can help with that. Same thing happens in the other direction. Like right now you and I both feel cold because it's cold here. Yeah,
1: fire tried to go out and had to go. Yeah, we're sitting by
0: the fireplace, but the fire went out. So Topher had to go fix that for a second, but we feel cold and we experience that. And if it gets to be, you're like, this is kind of unpleasant. I should do things to warm up. So again, physiologically you'll vasoconstrict. So like why your, your, you know, fingertips and ear tips start to look pale or sometimes even seem bluish, um, is because all of those little capillaries that are bringing warm blood to the surface, like we're going to lose too much blood. So let, or too much warmth via the blood. So let's not send blood to the periphery. Um, and then, uh, so you'll do that. You might shiver to generate more warmth. Um, you might get goosebumps, pylorectal, different things to try to reduce heat loss. But then behaviorally, we are both sitting here wrapped How in blankets. How do
1: goosebumps make you?
0: Uh, good question. Loss. Um, I think it's just um, probably putting your, uh, your, I probably learned this at some point, but your hairs like, are erect. You're probably just losing less heat that way. I don't know. Let's Google that later. Yeah, I don't. I don't, re- I don't right. remember the physiologic mechanism for why goosebumps keep you or like, but presumably you lose less heat that way. It's the only reason it would make sense. I don't know. I'll have to look that up if I ever knew. I've forgotten. Anyhow, um, so you have physiologic responses, and then experiencing hot or cold so that you change your behavior. So when you have a fever, you have inflammatory cytokines that send a signal to your brain that tell your hypothalamic set point, which is your brain's thermostat. They're like, Hey, let's crank that up. What are you smiling such about?
1: Crazy names for everything.
0: The hypothalamic. set, Yeah. It's the thermostat.
1: <laughs> what would you call them? Something cytokines? Inflammatory cytokines. Inflammatory cytokines. It's like a, it's like a really <laughs> bad space movie.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: The inflammatory cytokines are unveiling the, whatever it was. <laughs>
0: Hypothalamic set point.
1: Have hypothalamic set point. We need to stop them.
0: We need anybody out there, an animator. We can make this cartoon. It'd be pretty good. The inflammatory cytokines are coming for the hypothalamic set point. No, they're going to turn the reactor too high. No, we have a fever. It's terrible. Uh, But yeah, that's what happens. You got a bunch of proteins that... um, are produced by the body in response to some sort of insult. Um, t- like classically, you think of it as something infectious, although lots of non-infectious things cause a fever. But say you have like a virus that comes in and your body's like, wow, we don't like that virus. We should try to get rid of like, it. Your
1: nose is big.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right.
1: You said some sort of insult. Ah, so.
0: uh, I was like, where is he coming with this? Um, so yes, that is rather insulting. My nose is just fine. Thanks. Um, So, the virus comes in and your body's like, get out. um, And it treats it like an unwelcome house guest. And so, if you have friends or family coming to stay at your house and they want to overstay their welcome, one option would be to pretend like your AC is broken, turn the thermostat up, and be like, man, there's just nothing we could do. Oh, man, we're really sorry. We really understand if you guys want to go to a hotel. Like, you know, leave. So your body kind of does the same things, um, you know, with viruses and other pathogens. It's like, oh, let's create an environment that is inhospitable to this virus and make it harder to replicate. And there are some studies showing, um, you know, certain... um, organisms just won't replicate as well. I think it's bacteria that can't use iron or something like that, um, effectively in higher temperatures and other, other things that basically either slow or stop the replication of the pathogen. Um, and so we've evolved, you know, the development of a fever to try to be like, Hey, you know, let's, let's kick these unwelcome guests out. Let's make them not want to stay. Um, essentially kind of, that's the analogy I like to use. Um, but that becomes important because, it's very tempting, like we, you know, I've said this, I'm sure I've said this on the show before, and if not, I've said it a bajillion times in clinical practice, that we treat patients, we don't treat numbers. And it's very tempting for people to see a number that is high when they check a temperature on their patient and want to just somehow make that number go down. And if you don't stop and think about why is the number high, that may be the wrong choice. So if, you know, you're checking a temperature on a patient, which you should do, it's a very important part of an exam, and you notice that the temperature is high, you need to stop and think, is this a true fever, meaning, the thermostat has been reset, the hypothalamic set point is different because of an inflammatory process, or is this patient overheating? And um, it's generally pretty simple to figure out which it is. And you just have to think about like, what do you do? So if you have a fever and you feel cold, you shiver, you curl up in a ball. Um, you know, you don't splay out and try to, you're, you're trying to retain heat. Um, and so if you look at a patient who's curled up in a little ball shivering and their temperature is elevated, you could be reasonably sure They have a fever.
1: Shouldn't it be kind of easy, like, the conditions it comes into? Or is there, like, a sickness that will make an animal have a higher temperature without being a fever? uh, No.
0: So if sickness is making the temperature elevated, it's probably a fever. But elevated temperature can make the animal sick. So, like, if you have heat stroke. Yeah. So it's not always obvious, but it's usually pretty clear. That would be
1: like, does this animal have heat stroke? Yeah, but uh, usually, well, we had it in a cooler, so no.
0: Well, usually the the thing that people will um will confuse a fever like why people confuse a fever and hyperthermia is that um so the other scenario where you can get I gave some examples like getting locked in a hot car heat stroke but you can get milder forms of hyperthermia just with like stress and anxiety. So it, like if you imagine that the person who's like they've got to go up and give a big speech and they're really nervous and they start sweating and their palms are sweaty and their armpits are sweaty and their face becomes flushed or they get really splotchy, it, it's the same response. So dogs and cats will do the same thing. And when they get really stressed, um, uh, the, and I don't fully understand that why stress makes you think you're like, I'm about to get hot. I probably should cool off. But that is what you do. You have a physiologic response. Your temperature is increasing. You're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, it's probably, yeah, something have to do with your metabolic rate changing or something, but you actively try to cool off. And you feel hot, like when you get stressed about, you know, giving that big speech, you actually do feel warm. And so the physiologic response matches your temperature. Your brain's like, what is going on here? Why are we why are we overheating? This doesn't make sense. Let's try to cool off. And so um, dogs and cats that come into a vet clinic are commonly a little bit stressed. It's, uh, you know, it's a pretty exciting time. Hey, let's get in the car and let's go to, this isn't the park, you know? And so the dog's like, what is going, you tricked me again. And, you know, cats, you throw them in the carrier. They're like, Whoa, I fell for it again. <laughs> I should have known that this isn't just a in new in a storage place. place but, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, it's not uncommon for them to be stressed. Now, dogs make it really easy because they pant when they're overheated. Like dogs have evolved their, their primary mechanism of cooling off for thermoregulation is panting. So if a dog is panting, it is telling you, I would like my temperature to be lower than it is right now. Now, could they have a fever and then they just exceeded what the the thermostat was set at and they overheated from? Yes. But generally speaking, if I have a dog that has an elevated temperature and it's panting, I go, "Mm, that's probably not a real fever. Um, The best thing to do in that situation is to allow them to kind of calm down. And when they stop panting, recheck the temperature. And if it's still high and they're not panting, it might be a fever. Um, But more often than not, those are just anxious dogs and they'll chill out and their temperature will come down. Um, but if an animal comes in and they're just laying there limp um, and don't really want to do anything and their temperature is elevated, like that's probably a real fever. Um, again, cats are a little, they don't, they don't broadcast it as as clearly as dogs do, but again, they're curled up in a ball shivering. That's, that's a fever if their temperature's is high. Um, but the other reason this is so important in my opinion is one, it, it, there's, there's lots of reasons why it's important, but one is Working up a fever is going to be very different than a patient who's just a little anxious and had their temperature elevated. Um, and the treatment for this is the key the treatment for a fever is very different than the treatment from exposure hypothermia or hyperthermia. That's what I like to call it exposure or environmental
1: hyperthermia. So
0: if you have a patient with heat stroke, what do you think the treatment is?
1: He'd cool them down. Cool them off, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and what do you think the treatment for a fever is?
1: Probably some sort of. Ibuprofen or something.
0: That is if you just want to bring the fever down. But what do you think the treatment
1: is? Oh, fix whatever the. Exactly. Is. You're
0: so good at this. Fix the underlying cause. So if they have an infection, treat the infection. If they have uh, an immune mediated disease, you have to get that under control. If they have, you know, some, some whatever the cause of the fever is, you have to treat that. Um, but the treatment is not an ice bath. Like it's just not. Um, and that's people's knee-jerk reaction. The temperature's elevated, got to cool them down, got to give them some cold fluids. And, and it's, I think, okay, imagine again, go back to that imaginary, you last time you had the flu and you were curled up on the couch, wrapped in blankets, shivering. And if somebody was like, you'll be fine, just take an ice bath, you'd be like, what? No that sounds miserable and terribly Mm -hmm. uncomfortable you're a terrible person and friend we're like i've ended this relationship also seems
1: like it would make the body work harder because the body wants to be there they're so
0: smart yes exactly (laughs) that's exactly what happens is that you low you will lower the temperature by cooling them off and then the body the brain is like but the thermostat says this and so you're now going to expend more energy that patient is now trying to fight off an infection and now it has to fight you off because you're trying to lower the temperature and they're like i'm going to try you're not going to win the battle with the brain. Now, you can give um, an antipyretic or a fever-reducing medication. So you said ibuprofen. We tend not to use much ibuprofen, but another NSAID. That's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. And that's exactly what you would do. So if you're worried about the level of the fever, or if you just want to try to make them feel better... You can give an antipyretic. This can be a little bit controversial. I never knew
1: what NSAID stood for.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, no. we say that a lot. Non steroidal anti inflammatory drug.
1: Yeah, I got it when you said that. I was yeah. like, oh, that's what NSAID is. Yeah,
0: that is NSAID. It's just one of those
1: is. words that everybody uses.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You should have ca- called me out sooner.
1: I just, just wanna, it's like an easy drug. enough to say. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Insert drug here. Yeah. That's what you just, half the words I say, you're
1: just like, whatever. Yeah. When they were like, crazy words like the whatever hypothalamus that point yeah then, like then right i make fun again. of it
0: yeah you make fun of it but you don't ask like what the heck is that you're just like you're ridiculous for yeah. saying words <laughs> anyhow but you're you're totally right that cooling them off is just going to make the body work harder and so i don't advise it it's a bad idea it's rude First, that's the main thing is it's just really rude. You're like, oh, I'm miserable and I'm really cold. And somebody just dumped a bucket of cold water on me. It's so rude. Um, and the other thing, my, my favorite, um, no, when I say favorite, I mean least favorite, um, is people are like, oh, we need to give them fluids to treat the fever. And it's like fluids do not treat a fever. They don't. Fluids treat a handful of things like dehydration and hypovolemia, but they don't treat a fever. Now, they will lower the temperature of a patient because fluids are usually at room temperature, which is significantly colder than body temperature. Um, Unless you're a reptile. But again, yeah, that's true. Um, I don't treat that many of those. Um, But again all you're doing is cooling them off and making them work harder to get their temperature back up. Now they might need fluids for dehydration or hypovolemia and then it's appropriate to give fluids. I would argue it might be more comfortable for them to give them warm fluids. Um, but so if you see a patient with a fever, an elevated temperature and they're shivering and curled up in a ball, please don't put a fan on them. Please don't cool them off. Give them a blanket. Do what you would do for your grandmother who had a fever. Like just picture grandma and be like, and, unless you don't like your grandma and then don't I, I think kids that.
1: would be a better thing.
0: Okay. Picture your child. Not everybody I- likes kids. Picture somebody you I don't love.
1: anybody like taking care of grandma. Grandma can take care of herself.
0: Not if she has a horrible fever. Okay, fine. Um, picture your loved one that you live with and that if they are sick, you will take care of whoever that is. And if they are cold or how about just like a, another human being that's like, man, I'm really cold. And you're like, here's a bucket of ice water. You big jerk. Like, no, you're not going to do that like, here. I have a blanket. I'm not using borrow this. Like, that's what decent human beings do. And presumably, if you are or want to become a veterinarian, um, you maybe you don't like people, but you at least probably like animals and you want to, you know, allay their suffering. So give them a darn blanket. That's really, that's really what I'm trying to say. Um, so anyhow, the other thing to remember about a fever, let's say we're talking about a true fever, is that not every patient with a fever needs, guess the drug I'm going to say, not every patient Anybody with a fever. Yes. <laughs> You're my favorite. That's why we married. That's why I got married to you. Anyway, because you, you get the right answer for the world's most important questions. <laughs> so um, some bacterial infections cause a fever. Absolutely. And some fevers are caused by bacterial infections. But not all fevers are caused by infections at all. Right, there are immune-mediated diseases, um, cancer, cancerous um, diseases often cause a, a fever, and there's no infection associated with it. But even if you take all the infectious causes, not all of those are bacterial. In fact, it's far more likely for a virus to cause systemic illness and a fever Ooh, than a I bacterial give infection. Them, they have a virus. Yeah, what do you give them?
1: You can give them the ivermectin. You stop.
0: <laughs> okay. That's a joke. Obviously, he's making a joke about all the COVID discussion about giving so ivermectin them, for COVID. You he's them. kidding.
1: If he got a fever, mm-hmm. put him on fluids instantly. Instantly. And antibiotics. An ice and then ivermectin. And then yeah. you got all your bases covered.
0: Yeah. And you probably should throw some steroids in there just for fun. Maybe some furosemide too while you're at it.
1: I don't know what the last one is. Yeah,
0: it's the one to take away all those extra fluids you gave. You just want the fluids to cool them off. You don't want to drown them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So um, some patients with a fever will need antibiotics, but... A lot of them don't. Um, and so my argument for, uh, you know, again, like if you're like, man, I probably have a cold. Ooh, I have a fever. I feel crummy. You probably just stay home and take care of yourself. And, and most of the time, you know, you'll have a viral infection. A day. dogs a day. Yeah, exactly. Dogs and cats will have a self-limiting viral infection and things like that. So unless you have a specific reason to think that they are um, septic. And then yes, please give them antibiotics after you get some samples for culture and, and then you can always stop them later if needed. But if they're really sick, then it's reasonable to start empiric antibiotics while you try to figure things out. But most of them are just like, I feel crummy just like you do when you have the flu and they come in and you're like, bummer. And you do some tests maybe and a physical exam is boring other than the fever and the blood work is boring. And you're just like, oh, it's inflammatory. Okay. Um, you probably have a self-limiting virus. And so we're gonna watch you for a couple of days and you know, go home and give them some TLC. And uh, if they're not better in a couple of days, bring them back and maybe we'll have to repeat some diagnostics and maybe at that point what I consider empiric antibiotics, maybe, depending on what we find. But if you think there could be a bacterial infection causing the fever, you should have a suspicion for where is that infection? like what organ system or where where do I think the the infection is or where did it originate from? So you can try to get samples um, to try to figure out what the heck you're treating. And then you can empirically choose an appropriate antibiotic that would be, okay, what are the likely bugs that would um, invade that particular organ system? And then what are the drugs that are going to get to that organ system rather than like fever, antibiotics? Because I see that as a knee-jerk reaction. Patient has fever, must have antibiotics. And it's like, no. And that's not what we do for ourselves, hopefully. um some people might you should stop if you do that. Um, so I always think of that um I think we've brought this up on the 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 podcast before when we've talked about antibiotics is that um that Batman Robin um uh, oh, yeah. where it's like antibiotics no, and he smacks him, he's like, nope, antibiotics are not appropriate for a virus. um this is one of those times um, anyway, so. Really like this chapter. I think it was well-organized, well-written, um, but that's, I don't know, I get kind of excited about it because it's just, it's, it's one of those things that, one, I think is the physiology is really interesting, and two, um, it's one of those things that people just, they kind of gloss over and they're like, I've never really thought about the temperature that much, but if you look at your patient, you can actually get a lot of really good information um, and figure out, like based on their physiologic response, what this temperature means and, and then home in on why is it wrong. And how can I help fix it?
1: So, so yeah. what's the, like, the uh, cats and dogs have pretty consistent temperatures? Like people have a very consistent temperature. Yeah,
0: that's a good question and good point. So we often talk about dogs and cats having, you know, a normal temperature is a pretty wide range, like 99.5 to 102.5, which is a much wider range than you may have heard for people. Most of the time people, like what's normal temperature for people?
1: 98.6. Yeah,
0: everybody learns 98.6. And yet you and I both have temperatures that were slightly different and nobody cares. There's actually a range for people as well, um, but it's much narrower than the three degree range we use for dogs and cats. And the reality is that most dogs and cats actually as an individual, their personal hypothalamic set point, their personal thermostat uh, um, wants you to be in a much narrower range. There's a much narrower range in which an individual is going to be comfortable. The difference is that across species, like, or sorry, within the species, but across individuals, there is going to be some variation. Um, and so I actually consider 102.5 to be pretty high. Um, and we probably have accepted it, because as we were saying before, stress and anxiety will commonly cause dogs and cats to have an elevated temperature, yeah. and so we have all these I think normal it's that healthy people animals. People are
1: good at people are good at re- regulating their temperature.
0: So are dogs and cats. Yeah. Like most dogs and cats have a temperature range that's like pretty much within point, you know, point five degrees all mm-hmm. in either direction all the time. And so for an individual, if you're like, hey, this dog always has a temperature that's 101.3 every time he comes in. And this time he comes in and it's 99.1, that's low for that dog or 99.7, which would technically be in the normal range. I'd be like, "Mm -mm, that's low. Or if it's now 1027 or 1024, so it's technically within the normal range. I'm like, not for this dog. This dog isn't usually that's not usually his temperature. Um, So I do think you have to look at the individuals when you have that information. Um, But I don't, anything over 102 is, I don't consider normal. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm freaking out about it, but I'm like, hmm, that's not, that's not normal. It shouldn't be that high. Um, so I think the normal reference ranges should probably be a lot narrower than it is. Um, but circumstances dictate that when we take the temperature of animals, they're off. it's not uncommon for them to be a little high. Um, so I would say 100 to 101.5 is probably a more realistic range for dogs and cats, personally. And anything outside of that range, I go, mm, I should pay attention to this. Um, if it continues in this direction... I, I need to take note and maybe do something about it. Um, so that's that's my two cents there. But that was a really good question. Um, but they do run warmer than we do. So normally dogs and cats have a higher temperature than we do. Um, so some people are like oh my my cat's ears feel warm and it's like cool. They probably should.
1: Um, is that because they're smaller than us that they no, run or is it just it's just how
0: fans? yeah it's just how as a species they evolved. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, like big dogs don't necessarily have a different temperature versus like it's all the same. Um. So no, no, that just happens to be how they evolved. Cool.
1: Yeah. Like, do you know, like what a squirrel's temperature is?
0: 300 degrees. That's pretty hot. Not for a squirrel. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. I imagine it's somewhere around <laughs> where these guys are, probably around 100 or so. Um, yeah. Most mammals are, are within a few degrees of each other. That's, we've, you know, evolved. We had a lot of common ancestry there, but um, yeah, different ranges, but they do run warmer than us. Uh, yeah, I don't have a great reason for why that is. Probably just because they're fur coats. We we shed our fur coats a long, long time ago. And so we're like, I guess we're going to have to tolerate this colder temperature. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um. So, any other questions? Any other cool things? Did, was that as exciting <laughs> as, as promised, as excited to. Did it live up to your expectations with how excited I was? It was riveting. Riveting. It is. I think it's really cool stuff. Okay. But you know what time it is?
1: Is it? Wait.
0: Wait. What time is it? Don't forget to turn the volume up. What time is it? It is (laughs) spelling bee time. Spelling bee time. But we're going to do it differently in that Topher is going to have to spell some words. And I get to choose them and
1: but i still have control of the uh yeah you have the board control
0: that's true um but you don't want to you don't want to throw people off all right we're gonna start easy spell hyperthermia
1: hyperthermia
0: in the chapter title
1: h-y-p-e-r-t-h-e-r (laughs) <laughs> E-M-I-A yes.
0: Oh, so an extra an E There was not the extra E You should have just said M-I-A at the ah. end wah, wah, wah. No what? That was incorrect ah. Play it back That's okay There you go Um, Let's see, I didn't say that word Um, That was I don't want to be too mean There are a lot of mean how, words How, in how this about day, NSAIDs
1: <laughs> Yeah, do it. NSAID is N-S-A-I-D. Yay. NSAID.
0: <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were really paying attention when I told you what it stood for.
1: Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug.
0: Nice. Well played. Well played. Um, all right. Let's do <laughs> hypothalamus.
1: Hypothalamus.
0: Hypothalamus. I don't even have it on the page.
1: H Y H-Y-P-O-T-H-A-L-L-Y-M-U-S?
0: No. You were super close at the beginning. You're good Mm. at the start. So it's H-Y-P-O-T-H-A-L-A-M-U-S. So only one L and then it's just M-U-S, just how it sounds. I
1: thought there was a Y.
0: No. I don't know where you're getting the Y from. You're thinking like epididymis or something. (laughs) I don't know. Um,
1: It's been since high school since I had to worry about the hypothalamus.
0: Yeah, I know. That's why this was was fun though, to make it really hard. Um, All right. How about pathology?
1: Pathology. Yeah. P-A-T-H-O-L-O-G-Y. Whoop, 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 whoop.
0: Yay. You got it. Good. Should we do one more or should we
1: end on that one? We do one more.
0: One more. Oh, this, we didn't say this. Can it be a word I didn't say? Sure. <laughs> All right. Macrophage.
1: Macrophage.
0: Macrophage. Sure.
1: M-A-C-R-O-P-H-A-G-E. M-A-C-R-O-P-H-A-G-E.
0: Ding, 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 ding. Good job. I was like, ah, this one's, yeah, we don't say it a lot, but I bet you could. I, I thought you'd have a Do you say chance.
1: macrophage? I say macrophage. Do you say Vase.
0: No, it's a different word. Just be, What? I don't
1: know. And I just, you don't spell it the same either. It's like, uh, like snooty ways to say words. Macrophage?
0: macrophage? I don't know. Macrophage? Whatever. That one rolls off the tongue. I don't say duodenum. You
1: say macrophage. I say macrophage.
0: That's a terrible word or song. Whatever. Have you ever seen I'll the Saturday Night right?
1: Live where it's Christopher Walken and I think, um, who's the one that always laughs?
0: Cowbell? Uh, lots of them? Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, yeah.
1: Yeah, he gets up there and, and it's, it's like, yeah, Chris Walker starts singing a song. You say potato, I say potato, and Jimmy's like, "No, no, stop!" It's like, it's like, it's potato. He potato. And Jimmy's like, oh, "Okay, Jimmy, Jimmy, okay." You say potato, I say potato, and he's like, "No, it's potato." potato. Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm reading it right off the card. <laughs> it says potato. I don't think potato. I've seen that one. We'll watch it later. That's it's pretty good. funny.
0: That's pretty good. Um, yeah. Speaking of potatoes. None we gotta make brownies <laughs> yes yes. alright that's enough show it's time to go make brownies with Oreos in them and yeah we went to the doctor and they were like you're healthy so like we can fix that let's go home and have brownie <laughs> Uh alright well thank you guys for listening don't forget to tune in for the next chapter which will be on uh, interstitial edema Ooh. so I thought we we're gonna go in a different direction there but that is the next chapter I hope you'll join us for that one and uh, yeah
1: is Bye. that when there's, like, water under the skin? Yeah. The bumpy stuff? Good job, babe. I know everything. You're so smart. Bye.
0: Bye.